Hey everyone, it's PJ, and um, for this week's po- weekly podcast, I wanted to share an article that was written by a pastor and theologian uh, named Kevin DeYoung on the Gospel Coalition, and he is a uh, pastor in the PCA. He's also a uh, professor of theology at Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte. I think overall a very uh, sound and uh, biblical theologian and thinker. And I thought uh, this article would help us kind of think through uh, how we can celebrate uh, Independence Day because we're approaching uh, July 4th weekend. And what I wanted to do was uh, just kind of pick out some excerpts from the article and uh, share some thoughts with you on that because the article itself is kind of long and I I doubt that many of you would have the time to read through the whole thing. So I thought I'd pick out some relevant excerpts and uh, think through those uh, parts with you. Now, I think it's helpful the way he starts off his article by asking the question, what we should think of America? And uh, very helpfully answering that question by saying uh, the Bible doesn't really give us a clear answer to that. And so the pastor, any pastor, shouldn't speak too confidently uh, in this matter. Uh, I think what we can do is think uh, honestly and historically about it, but it's it's not in anyone's place to say this is what the Bible says about America, because it doesn't really say anything about America per se. Now, the implication of that is this. Here's his first excerpt I would like to share with you. He says, we should not, quote, make a particular interpretation of American history, either one that sparkles sunshine or one that sees little more than a long list of atrocities, a de facto standard for friendship and fellowship. No American history test is required for entrance into the church universal, and hopefully none is required for our local churches either. Okay, and I think that's a very helpful starting point because that's absolutely true. Um, you know, think about your membership at NCA, at our church, or any church. Um, your fellowship with the saints, your uh, worshiping with the body of Christ uh, should not be uh, more encouraged or less encouraged because of uh, your view of American history compared to other people's view of American history. And um, our hospitality that's extended to the people in our church uh, should not be contingent on um, how we interpret American history either. That would be an unbiblical standard for uh, worship and fellowship in the church. And I think it, it's actually worth saying that your hospitality is really only truly like Christ. Uh, when you can find people in your living room uh, to which your friends in your own political spectrum, on your end of the political spectrum, would see and say, why would you eat with them? You know, Why would you fellowship with them? Uh, when that happens, I would say you have something really Christ-like happening because uh, Jesus faced the same kind of scrutiny. And people were asking him, uh, why are you eating with tax collectors and prostitutes and these sinners? Well, and Jesus says, because I've came not to call those who are well, but those who are sick. Right? He, he wanted to befriend them so he can share the gospel with them more effectively. And if you are using your hospitality to that extent and bringing people who are on the opposing side, uh, whatever that side is for you, to your, into your living room, to sit at your dining table, 
to eat with them, dine with them, to fellowship with them, for you to serve them a, a nice meal uh, as a way of building a channel of communication, building trust so you can communicate the truth to them. That's, that's actually more Christ-like than anything else. So that's something to consider here, that our view of an interpretation of American history uh, shouldn't deter us or hinder us from fellowshipping with anyone or worshipping with anyone uh, within the church. Here's the other quote. Uh, the more you look deeply into any person, any time period, or any nation, the more you realize that the quote-unquote good guys and the bad guys are usually more of a mixture than we like to admit. Uh, I think that's another really helpful thing to consider, that we do have a tendency, just psychologically speaking, to romanticize our heroes more than we should and demonize our opponents more than we should. Um, this is something that I think is pretty well documented, I think, even in social psychology. I think there was a study done um, where they showed that uh, when uh, a group of uh, more liberal people were uh, shown very um, disturbing information about just how their own politicians are, are corrupt, uh, they were quite lenient and forgiving. When, however, they were shown the same data about uh, conservative politicians, they were they're very unforgiving. And they found the same trend among conservatives as well. It was a two-way street. And just to kind of show that there is a way in which we're, we're wired, in a way, to, to think this way, uh, to be more lenient towards those who are on in our tribe, quote-unquote tribe, and to be uh, more critical uh, towards those who are not in our tribe. And I think this brings to mind, you know, what Jesus said about, you know, taking the log out of our own eye before removing the speck in the other. Uh, and that means, you know, we, we do have a tendency to, to develop a blind spot for, for our own logs and uh, magnifying the speck in the, in the other person's eye. And that's something we should watch out for, especially during uh, a season like we're in right now where um, I think emotions are high and... Um, a lot is being said, and I think it takes discernment to unplug from that. Uh, I think it takes discernment to think um, objectively and approach uh, everyone and every matter with, with fairness. Uh, here's another quote, uh, and this is where we get into a bit more about just American history in general now. Quote, there is also more than more that must be said. The history of God and race in America is, as Mark No puts it, a tangled history filled with moral complexity. On the one hand, the Christian faith has been a prominent feature in American history and has often been a beneficent force at home and abroad. Christian altruism, Christian philanthropy, Christian consolation, and Christian responsibility are not the only forces for good in American history, but they loom very large and have had very positive effects. And yet, Noel admits that the American political system and the American practice of Christianity, which have provided so much good for so many people for so many years, have never been able to overcome race. If we are honest about ourselves and honest about our faith, we must conclude that Christianity in America has done much at times to promote racism, while offering hints of redemption as well. I think to me, this is one of the, I think, more balanced statements, I think, about America that I've I've read uh, so far, um, and, and I've been reading quite a bit about uh, what's being said nowadays. I think here uh, we see neither the denial of America's sins nor the denial of her gifts. 
right? Uh, we have seen uh, hints of redemption in the midst of just absolutely horrific things in our history. Now, perhaps the question is, right, how much should we be celebrating these gifts uh, when the, the history uh, that is so disturbing is so apparent to us and now being even um, accentuated in a way? And the answer to that I think whatever your answer is to that uh, should neither be uh, ignoring the good nor ignoring the bad. Uh, whatever your answer is to that question, I think you have to be able to say yes to both and be able to hold on to both, both the good and the bad, because that's true. They're both true. I think to not, to not go too off the rail, um, one perhaps not so distant example might be how we perceive Germany. And I think we're fully right, capable of celebrating the Protestant Reformation right, that began in Germany and through Martin Luther and the benefit that that has brought to just the entire world. And at the same time, we have no problem uh, seeing the, the horrific things that took place in Germany during World War II and, and never forgetting that. Um, and considering even the, the effect of that, the impact of that, that is still lingering for the Jewish people today because it, it had a profound systemic effect on the Jewish people. And so we do the same thing, right? We, we look at both and we hold on to both as part of their uh, history. And I think we can do the same for, for America. Uh, we can hold on to both. And I think it's important that we hold on to both. And this relates to this other quote from Kevin DeYoung. Uh, History, he says, is rarely simple, and it is rarely static either. Uh, the American experiment is not the story of steady moral uplift and courage, nor the story of constant declension and depravity. Uh, we must not be ignorant of the contours of our own history, lest we forget, for example, that by the time the Constitution was ratified, uh, slavery had been abolished in Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and in all the future states north of the Ohio River in the Northwest Ordinance. Uh, but none of the Founding Fathers got the race question right in the way that we wish they would have. Uh, they were men of their age in ways that made them better and worse than our leading thinkers and statements today. Nevertheless, it is important to see how the founding generation was viewed in their own age." Uh, end quote. And here he is, I think, uh, highlighting the, the positives here. Um, and, and maybe not just highlighting the positive, but just kind of making the point that uh, given the time period that they were in, the Founding Fathers were holding on to uh, some radical ideas that were not fully realized and actualized in practice and in, in, at, the, at the societal level. And, and therefore, uh, it's nowhere near what it should have been. Uh, at the same time, we shouldn't overlook the fact that they were what the ideas that they were promoting uh, were nowhere else to be found in the world so here's a fascinating excerpt to just kind of back that up from uh, alexander stevens he's a he was the vice president of the confederacy and his commentary on the uh, constitution and the founding fathers it's it's fascinating because just have, have a listen here uh quote the prevailing ideas entertained by Jefferson and most of the leading statesmen at the time of the formation of the old Constitution were 
that the enslavement of the African was in violation of the laws of nature, that it was wrong in principle, socially, morally, and politically. It was an evil they knew not well how to deal with. But the general opinion of the men of that day was that somehow or other, in the order of providence, the institution would be evanescent and pass away. This idea, though not incorporated in the Constitution, was the prevailing idea at the time. The Constitution, it is true, secured every essential guarantee to the institution while they should last, and hence no argument can be justly used against the constitutional guarantees thus secured because of the common sentiment of the day. Those ideas, however, were fundamentally wrong. They rested upon the assumption of the equality of races. This was an error. Okay, so um, very interesting passage here from Alexander Stevens, Vice President of the Confederacy, I think confirming the fact that the ideas that the founders had laid out in the Constitution were uh, pretty radical ideas that offended uh, people in the Confederacy, people in the South, and uh, the, the, the ones who wanted to hold on to the institution of slavery. Again, doesn't mean the founders had it all right, but it does show that they, they did hold a view that was considered pretty radical uh, for their time period, views that you and I might not hold if we were born during that time. And that's a fair point. Um, again, how much do we celebrate that given that black people were not considered really equal? They were, uh, even though the original document says all men are created equal. Um, I think that's subjective, that's relative, but I think it's important we hold on to both of these realities when we look at our history. And I think uh, one good example of this is Frederick Douglass, because um, he held this balance, I think, between uh, just calling out the sins of America while uh, celebrating the good ideals that America was founded upon. And uh, he was, I think, intellectually just able to articulate both of these things. So in his July 4th address in 1852, he says, the existence of slavery in this country brands your republicanism as a sham, your humanity as a base pretense, and your Christianity as a lie. Very apt statements, true statements, uh, given the reality of slavery. At the same time, he also wrote elsewhere that uh, the Founding Fathers were statesmen, patriots, heroes for all the good that they did and the principles they contended for, and I will unite with you to honor their memory. And so, his complaint, and de Young makes this point, was not so much, you know, uh, America as a whole and as a nation should just simply be denounced. His point was that the nation is not being consistent with its own principles. And these principles he loves and he celebrates. And I think when it comes to July 4th weekend, right, we're, that's pretty much tomorrow, uh, I think we should try to hold on to the same tension. And as we celebrate, I don't know how you're going to celebrate July the 4th, um, if at all. Uh, I hope that we are not forgetful of the remaining brokenness in our nation, the lingering effects of our past sins, even as we hold on to the, the true and good ideals that this country was found upon. I hope you hold on to that tension. I hope you're not forgetful uh, of that tension. Um, as you celebrate. And I think this is similar even, and I'll close with this. There's some similarity here between just the way we celebrate our own faith. Uh, we believe we are simultaneously sinners and 
justified, forgiven children of God. We're justified sinners. We're, we're forgiven sinners. We're, we're sinners who celebrate the forgiveness we have through the Lamb of God, our great high priest who brings us into the holy of holies. And so that when we stand before God's presence, he sees us as righteous. What is self-evident to, to him about his people is that we are covered by the blood of the Lamb, all by virtue of our faith, uh, our faith in him. And yet what we evidence in our everyday lives can be sin. It, it seems to contradict the very ideal that we celebrate as Christians. But see, the call of God in the scriptures is not therefore to abandon Christianity, but to press deeper into the ideal, and that is Christ. Uh, press deeper into him and his good news. And through that, you come out of the place of shame and guilt, and through repentance, you come to the place of obedience, and more obedience, and more obedience. And even if you trip, even if you fall, you fall forwards towards Christ, and you become more and more mature, more and more redeemed uh, in your everyday life. So celebration is encouraged because, you know, that's what worship is. We praise Jesus for what he's done for us. We praise God for his redemptive works. And as we do so, uh, we conform more and more uh, to his image. I think there is a parallel here. Um, I think as we celebrate the good while holding on to the reality of our brokenness and the reality of our sins, I think we can come out of that place and enter more and more into God's light and God's truth. And, and through that, even make an impact in our societal life. Be a city on a hill as a church. Be a city on a hill by bringing the good news of Jesus Christ into the world. The good news that we have a king who's bringing his kingdom down to earth one day by truly right, setting us free, truly giving us that independence day from sin and death. And that's what ultimately we're longing for. Uh, that's why we need Jesus as our king. We need Jesus as our president. We need Jesus to be ruler of us all. Until that day, we're only going to be holding on to this tension, this tension between our hope in the ideal and the reality of our brokenness. But as the Apostle Paul says, we, we, as we groan and as we long and as we wait, we do so with hope. We do so with hope. So I hope that we would all hold on to this hope uh, this July 4th weekend. And as you celebrate, please remember to pray. Pray for our nation that is still broken, a nation that is still suffering from the lingering effects of sin. Um, pray for our nation even as we celebrate the good ideals of our nation.